there. Reagan last year, last week shared about a dream she'd had. And this is a dream, I, I think you all maybe had this category of dream before, where I was helping to build some sort of bridge, and there were these two kind of weird hardware pieces that I needed to shift from one place to the other and sw swap them around, and it seemed like it shouldn't have been too hard, but I got stuck in this little project, and it just kept going on and on and not working, and I was getting confused, and people were all around, and it just wasn't working very well. And at some point, there was this episode where there was wood glue on the screw, and it was in the wrong place, and for, I thought it was a good idea to like suck the glue off the screw with my mouth. And for the rest of the dream, I've got this nasty like wood glue taste in my mouth that I'm trying to get rid of, and I'm trying to find water and drink water, but I just can't get rid of it. And this job is going on and on. I'm trying harder and harder, and thinking, I got this, but it can't get done. And finally, I woke up, thankfully, because... It was one of those, oh, that was a dream. Thank God. That was a dream because I was stuck in it and I couldn't get out of this project that I was trying so hard to finish, but I just couldn't. And sometimes life is like that. Sometimes we're like that in life. Like there's stuff in front of us and we just sort of get like we're trying and we're working and doing our stuff and using our tools and skills, but it's, it's not... It just goes on and on. It's, there's something that should be easy is, is not easy. And that's really where faith comes in. And a lot of times, the reason things are not going the way they should is because we are trying to use our own strength and our own wisdom, our own abilities, instead of trusting in God. And that's really, we talk about faith. A lot of times people think about faith, but it's not faith in faith, it's faith in God. Faith always has an object. It's, you're trusting in someone. And so, what we're talking about in these 21 days of faith is going from living by our own wherewithal, alone, to this crazy way of living, where we are going through our days and going through our life, trusting in God, trusting in who He is, trusting in what He's done on the cross, and that that brings a grace into our life that we can stand in and live out of and accomplish, live the life God made us for. Isn't that, isn't that what we're all about, what we, what, what we want? Yeah, I, I, we, we want to experience that. But it's so easy not to, and throughout history people have experienced this. And we're going to be reading from the book of Galatians this morning. The, book, the letter was actually a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the church in the city of Galatia. And it was about this very problem. There was a group of people that had heard the message of, of Jesus and a call to put your faith in Jesus for salvation and for his kingdom to come into your life and into the world. And they had responded, and their lives were transformed. But then they kind of forgot that that's what it was all about. And the church was made up of both Gentiles, which were the non-Jewish non people in the world, were Gentiles, so that's most of us. And then there were some Jewish people that had the whole Old Testament and the law and the tradition of what God had spoken. And some of these Jewish people because they knew all the rules, they were saying, hey, well, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's Jesus, but there's also, there are also all these laws. And we need to make sure we're obeying all the laws. And we need to obey them. And, and, and subtly, it crept in not just that, hey, you should follow God's word, 
to honor him and because it brings life and blessing into our lives and the world, but it became the way of, oh no, you do these rules in order to become righteous. Like you don't really have status unless you're doing these rules. And one of the big rules they were debating was circumcision, which you can imagine, most of the people there were not Jewish, they had not been circumcised, and that was part of the Old Testament law. And circumcision was a, was a pretty big deal if you're an adult male and you've never done it. And you just okay, do we have to do this? And so the thing that had been a sign of God's covenant with people, they were turning it upside down, and it was becoming, instead of, no, we believe in Jesus, and he changes our life, and now we live differently, it became, oh, we need to do all these things in order for God to approve of us, in order for him to... To, to, for us to feel good about ourselves and have, have peace. We're calling this 21 Days of, of Faith. This is kind of like our mini-twisted or knockoff version of Lent. All right? Lent is 40 days. It's a pre-Easter thing. We have 21 days of faith leading up to Easter. And Lent is a time, a lot of religious traditions, Christian traditions, follow in the time of preparation leading up to the celebration of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. But sometimes what happens is the same sort of religiosity can creep in. Where, and we can do this with anything, any good practice, we can lose the essence of it and it becomes this, become this religious works that we do. And so a lot of times people are stuck in this, okay, it's for Lent, so I'm going to give up chocolate. Or I'm going to give up this food or give up smoking or whatever it is. It's like, here's this vice or this, this enjoyable thing. And as a sign of my devotion to the Lord, I'm going to give it up for 40 days. And it can become, instead of, you can lose the whole purpose of Easter, which is a celebration that we couldn't earn our salvation through our good works. So Jesus died on the cross to take our sins and give us new life. We can actually be dishonoring that by trying really hard to do all these good things to impress God. Anyone, you guys following me? You see how easy that is? Anyone besides me have these kind of dreams or find yourself in these situations, living like this? Can you show me some hands or else I'm just going to like, you guys can go home and I'm just going to keep preaching to myself because I'm the only one who needs this. All right. Um, yeah, we, it's so easy to live like that. Um, I, in, in Galatians 2, let's start off, 2 verse 15, Paul's talking about this. He says, we ourselves are Jews by birth. So he's talking about he, the writer, is, is Jewish by birth, and those he's with, those he grew up with, and not Gentile sinners. And you know, the connotations that a Jewish person would have towards Gentile would be like that word heathen. Or you know, think of the worst category of sinner. That's, that's how the Jewish people saw the Gentiles. So he was, we were Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners like the rest of you used to be. Yet we know that a person is not justified, and justified means made right with God. You can think of it as, just as if I'd never sinned. When you're justified, you are made right with God, and it's just as if you've never sinned, because your sin has been transferred to Jesus on the cross. And so he's saying, we know that a person is not justified by works, by good things that we do, by how hard we work, or how disciplined we are, religious we are, devoted we are, successful we are, we're not justified by that, but through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're made right. That's how we're at peace with God. That's where our standing 
only place our standing can come from. We're made right through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. And not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And the essence of that there is, we're not justified, we're not made right by doing good things. We're made right by faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross. That's Christianity in a, in a nutshell. It's, and I, it's important that we see not good works, not only in the category of, of religious things that you do, read your Bible, go to church, stop smoking, whatever it would be, but also good works, like, or other good works, just ways you try to be successful, working hard, being diligent, things that are good, but they don't save us, they don't make us right with God, and when we're trying to get our identity and our security from those things, things are out of balance. I'm, a bunch of us have been talking, me less than some others recently, but about the Enneagram, which is an ancient personality profile with nine different personality types, and people tell me, and the test tells me, that I'm a perfectionist, Enneagram, the first number one Enneagram type, and perfectionists would tend to fall into this weakness even more than a lot of the rest of you. I, there's a book about, about the Enneagram and reading through the one, what it's like to be a one, a perfectionist. Here are a few of the things that, that fit me. People have told me I can be overly critical and judgmental. I beat myself up when I make mistakes. Yeah, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I, I was on the track team and I lost a race because I let up at the end and this guy caught me the end of an 800 meters for this big meet. I couldn't sleep for a month. Or I, I did sleep, but I had trouble sleeping. That would have been really scary. But I, my sleep was very troubled for one month because I just kept reliving that moment over and over and over in my mind and telling myself, don't ever do that again. And just so oh, that was horrible, but just don't ever let it happen again. I just beat myself up mercilessly. I don't, three, I don't feel comfortable when I try to relax. There's too much to be done. <laughs> and I can definitely relate to that. It's like, wait, let's, let's get everything done first and then we can relax. Yeah, Ian's, my 11-year-old thinks that's true about me. Um, I notice immediately when things are wrong or out of place. I often feel like I try harder than others to do things correctly. The, the list goes on. It's so natural for, for me to feel that way, but I, but I think you don't have to be a one to, to face some of these same tendencies um, to, to different degrees. The, but God has a way out of it, a way out of, his, out of force, because that is a miserable place to live. And it's not the way God calls us to live. In, in verse 20, Paul says this, and this is a verse that I think every Christian should memorize. This is the essence of the gospel in a nutshell. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's just read that again. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live, let's all say it together, by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Yeah, that's, that's, that's how God has called us to live. Not in and trusting our own strength, our own abilities, but trusting in Him, the one who loved us and loves us and gave Himself for us. I do no, not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. That's intense. That's saying that, hey, God extends his grace to us for us to live in his grace. But if we are still, try, if we are still trusting in our own efforts, then his grace is nullified for us. It's available, but it might as well be null and void because we are not experiencing it when we're trusting in our own strength. Goes on in verse, verse three or chapter three, verse one. He says, "O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you?" That's the name of our message today: bewitched or unbewitched, because we're going to go from being bewitched to being unbewitched. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only one, only it, only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? There's man, so good. He's saying, you, when you came into this thing, when you were born again, when you were forgiven of your sins and God's Spirit came to you, it wasn't because of all the good things you did. It's because you heard the message of Jesus and you believed it. You said, I'll take that. That's good. That's for me. Yes, I heard it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I need that. I got it. Oh, I heard it. I believe. God gave me faith. Yes. I heard it by faith. Oh. And that, remember that weight of, that weight that was off your shoulders. That lightness that came when the sin, the weight of the world was transferred off because Jesus had taken it away. And how did you get it? You heard with faith. And you received it. And Paul's saying, oh, but Galatians, you got that. But you're so dang foolish. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Basically, you are, you are bewitched. You've come under a spell. This is not just like, oh yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of doing good things, and you know, that's really not the best, but you know, it's okay because you still get stuff done, and you're still successful, and people approve of that, so it's a good thing. You know, and that's kind of how we see it a lot. Of times. Well, I, you know, yeah, you quiz me on theology, I know it should be faith in Christ, but... That's, you know, all this, like, trusting in my works, it gets a lot of stuff done. And people like that. People validate that. He said, no, you are under a spell. This is dark. This is a demonic ploy to take us from the life that God intends for us. And when I am under that spell, when we are under that spell, we are bewitched. We are under the power of the enemy that keeps us from the freedom that God has for us. But God wants us to be unbewitched. I almost called this message, Your Worst Life Now. There's a book called Your Best Life Now. This is like, our, your worst life now is when we're living according to our own efforts and not trusting God. That, man, we, I am living my worst life now when I'm in that place, like that dream that I had. But that's not what God has for us. Okay. You guys following me? What are, let me just ask you this. Let's get a little... Think about this. What is life like when we are in that place of trusting in our own efforts? What, um, yeah, what's, how does that play out for, for you? Bondage. 
Frustration, yeah. Anxiety? So you're tired? It's exhausting? Yes. Fear? Oh my, yeah. What's, yeah, you're just like on, always under this fear of what's going to happen? It's all on you. Yeah. Pride? So you said, yeah. It becomes, sometimes things are going pretty well, actually. That's kind of the time when it's most easiest to be bewitched because things actually are going pretty well and we can become very prideful about, about ourselves. Loneliness. Never enough. Never enough. I'm going to start crying. This is dark. <laughs> this is too real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, man, it's dark. That's, it's a bewitching. It is. It's the ploy of the enemy to bring us into that place of not experiencing the life that God has for us. Um, well, let's just keep on reading here, because God's got something better. Verse, verse, through, uh, verse 4. Did you suffer? Let's just do verse 3. Like there, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Anyway, so he's just hitting this point over again. Okay, it's not works of the law. It's not the good things that we do, but it's hearing God responding with faith. And I bet you could say the same thing I would say, that everything you've seen, I, I'll, every, I'll just say it for me and then decide if you agree. Everything that I've seen in my life of real significance, that's brought real freedom, has been through faith. Through faith in Christ. Faith in God. Everything in my life that's actually seen anything significant accomplished has been when I've been trusting God. That's where the the miraculous things happen. That's where God shows up and does things. And I was thinking about this. I thought about just spending... My whole time talking today, just telling stories. I, I could, but I was like, there are too many. I could spend two hours, easily, just talking about the stories of, not to my credit, but just when I trusted God, how he did amazing things. And I think about, that's how I came into this whole thing. Like all of us who are believers. I remember the morning I was a kid, and I woke up, and my mom was in our living room praying, and she said, Jonathan, I want to talk to you. And she explained the gospel to me, that... Yeah, I, I had sinned, but, and I deserved punishment, and I was in a place of separation from God because of my sin, but that Jesus had died on the cross to take my sin, and that if I would turn from my sins and trust in him, he would take those away and give me a new heart. And I was, I was very young, but I heard that, I heard it with faith, and a simple childlike faith said, yeah, that's what I want. And I prayed, and in that moment, in my living room, my life was transformed. From the inside out. I think of when I first started college. I, I went to KU and I had really got to put in my heart that he wanted to use my life to, to make a difference when I was in college. So I was looking for a campus ministry to be part of. And I, I met this 29-year-old guy named John McDermott who was just starting this new church. And we went to, out to lunch at Pizza Hut, like my first week or two in, in college. And, he's, and I started saying, well, okay, tell me about your ministry. 
where do you meet? And how many people are there? And I didn't know they were just starting. He didn't mention that fact. <laughs> and so he starts like just talking about, we are here to reach this campus. We're seeing people born again. We're raising up leaders. We're going to raise up people to change the world. And in my mind, as he's talking about this, I'm imagining 70, 80, 100 plus people gathered in a room. Like, that's how he's describing what's going on. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, where, where do I go? Where do we meet? And he kind of avoided my question. Because it was kind of like, hey, you know, we, we have one or two people we kind of, you know, that are with us, and you're it. Like, <laughs> we're like, join in this thing, because it's going to happen. Like, there's a dream from God by faith. And sure enough, like, that's what happened. Like, I got connected with these people, and that fall, we saw an evangelist come, and the gospel preached, and there was a group of people who came together. And it was like six or eight of us. But we knew, man, God's called us to reach this campus. God's called us to transform this city. And in my mind, it was going to be two months later, there'd be 100 students gathered. You know, it was more like 10 years later that that happened. But it was person by person and by faith, getting that dream and seeing it come to that place. And when God called us to come to Manhattan to start a ministry, it was the same thing. It just get emotional. But I remember the first time someone mentioned something about Manhattan and when I was a college student. And it, was, it was actually John McDermott, my, my pastor and mentor. And someone had talked about starting a church here. And he was like, wow, like your, light, your eyes kind of lighted up. Like something like resonated there. What is that? I was like, I don't know. But man, I think maybe I am going to plant a church somewhere sometime. And Manhattan would be cool. And then we were making disciples and seeing God do things in, in Lawrence. And a few years later, we received a prophetic word from somebody who didn't even know Kansas at all. This was in California, and he was from North Carolina. And he said, God's just sense that God's reaching his hand out to that. There's another major university in your state, and God's reaching his hand out there. And it was just, man, that's God. He's in this. And... I think it's time. I think this is in the near future. And so we started talking and praying. I remember driving out here with a few friends and just driving through town, walking around, and on the way out of town, like pulling up to the scenic overlook and just getting out and looking and saying, God, is, is this for us? Is this where you're calling us? And just hearing a whisper of the Holy Spirit, yes, this is the land for you. I'm giving you this land. There's a church in the city. I want to reach the city. And it's everything that has happened has been, I think of the lives that have been changed. It's hearing and responding with faith. Remember, we did the same thing here. We, we started just reaching out to college students. And we, uh, we decided to hold some meetings on campus. And we were deciding, well, where are we going to, we'll spend, you know, spend a week or two, like, surveying people, talking to people. And then we'll have these outreach meetings. And where would be the right place to hold this meeting? And so we looked around. And walked through the union, walked, okay, yeah. The room we chose was Forum Hall for our first meeting. This huge, like 600-seat auditorium in the union. We are like, we're going to have our first meeting in here. And we did it. And there were about 10 people who showed up. And you know what? I'm kind of glad we did it. Because it was, spoke to the dream. And like, so God had put in our heart that he, there were so many people that God wanted to reach. And shortly after that, this young guy named, named Jim Schwartz, same, same, we were in the union, playing music, sharing the gospel. He 
was addicted to drugs and alcohol, responded to the gospel, was the first believer, and person by person by persons, one by one, lives began to be changed. And I look back and say, all that is, every time that's because someone heard and someone had faith. And that's, that's how it happens. I could, I could go on and on. It's, this, it's in this sort of thing of, of people being reached and disciples being made, but it's in every area of our life. I can think about the first house that we bought, how many children we've had, thing after thing after thing. It's the things that have been significant has been because we heard God speak and dared to trust him, not knowing how it was going to work out. And as we just walked into that by faith, he caused it to come about. And that's how, that's how God moves. That's how God does things. It's, it's so great. Um, yeah. So God's, that's how, and you in this room, you all could, you could be for hundreds of hours telling stories about how that's happened, how that's happening, how we're hearing and responding. And that's what we just want to encourage and throw fuel on the fire in our 21 days of faith to see that happen more and more. I just want to read uh, several, the rest of this little passage here. Verse 7, as we read, just ask God to speak to you and birth, birth faith in your heart. Know then that it's those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify, justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. You know, it's interesting that Abraham heard that promise. In you and in your offspring, all the nations will be blessed. And then Abraham waited decades to see his first son be born, who was through who all this promise would happen. Because there's a promise and because it's faith doesn't mean you're going to see results right away. But it's standing in faith and seeing it happen according to God's timing and according to God's way. So then those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. Those who are of faith are blessed. There's such a blessing that comes to us when we are in a place of trusting God. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Like that, like being bewitched. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now that's in, that insightful. That's how the law works. That's how this natural way of thinking, when we're trying to put our confidence in our own efforts, our own strength. We come under this other law that says, you have to do them all. You can't mess up. You have to do everything, or if you fall short, you're cursed. That's how the law, because if if we could have obeyed all the law, we would have been blessed. There's a blessing that comes from 100% obedience and obeying, but none of us can live that way. It's impossible, and so there's a curse that comes when we're trying to get our confidence from being from our own good accomplishments, our own good works. It's a curse. Now, it's evident that no one will be justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs, who's hanged on a tree. So Christ took the curse that we were under when he hung on a tree. He became a curse for us. So our curse could be transferred to him. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
So where, where are we trusting our own efforts? Where are you trusting your own efforts? Maybe it's in your job or your career. Maybe it's in your school. Maybe it's uh, trusting in, in being a good parent or working hard. Maybe it's trusting in, oh, I care a lot about people. I'm a good person. I'm, I'm, I'm caring about people. I'm helping them. Um, managing, obeying God's commands. Mo- managing money wisely. There's so many things. Like We can put our trust in our own ability and our own efforts. I want to ask you this morning, where do you need faith? Where does God want to spur and inspire faith in your heart this morning? You know, do you need faith this morning to know and believe that you're forgiven, that you're accepted by God, that you're loved and not condemned? Do you need faith to become forgiven, to put your trust in Christ for the first time and be loved and not condemned? Do you need faith to believe that God will provide for you, that your provision is not ultimately dependent upon you working really hard, although, yes, you do need to work, but it needs to be from a place of faith, not from a place of trusting your own efforts. Do you need faith to overcome temptation, to overcome an addiction, to develop your character? Do you need faith to experience more of God's Spirit? Do you need faith for a, a miracle? Do you need faith for creativity? Do you need faith... Um, for energy, for entrepreneurial ideas, for, for, for whatever it is he's, he's leading you to put your hand to. Do you need faith to speak up to those around you? Do you need faith to be a witness? Do you need faith for a, a friend or a family member to come to know God or to experience the breakthrough they need in their life? You know, do we need faith. I know we need faith as a church to, to see this city reach, to join with other, other churches in Manhattan and to see this community reached and transformed. You know, we need faith as a community, as, as our church community, to, to see a hundred wholehearted, on-fire, faith-filled disciples of Jesus living for Him every day. And we need faith to see 12 community groups that are living as, as micro-communities and fellowship and interde- interdependency and living missionally, reaching others together. We need faith for that. I believe God is, God is leading us into that. And I, I read actually this morning one last scripture. Those of us who are reading our, our church's um, Bible reading plan, actually all these scriptures that I'm talking about today were in last week's reading. So some of you are like, That's, yeah, I just read that. That's cool. But in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Moses is talking to the people of Israel. And God's get, done a lot of miracles in their midst, and they're getting ready to go from the wilderness that they've been li- living in to cross over the Jordan River, which was a boundary between where they were in the wilderness and the promised land that he had for them. And this is a metaphor for us as the place that we are in where we're not yet living in the promise of what God has for us. God is inviting us to cross over that, that, that river and go into the promised land. And he says this in, in Deuteronomy 9.1. Moses is speaking says, Hear, O Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today to go in and possess nations greater and mightier than you. Okay. That's what God calls us to. I'm calling you to go into a land against enemies that are greater and mightier than you are. So, do the math. If these enemies that he's called us to face 
are bigger and stronger and tougher, mightier than we are, we can't beat them in our own strength. It's impossible. But that's, you know, the, the trap we tend to fall into. But God always doesn't just say, okay, it's not, it's not too hard. Here, let me help you. He says, no, here's this impossible thing. That's where I'm calling you into. The enemy is greater and mightier than you. A people great and tall, the sons of Anakim, whom you know and of whom you have heard it said, who can stand before the sons of Anak? Know therefore today that he who goes over before you as a consuming fire is the Lord your God. He will destroy them and subdue them before you. So you shall drive them out and make them perish quickly as the Lord has promised you. That's what God's saying to us today. Hey, there are enemies in front of you. There are enemies in front of you. There are enemies within you. There are fears, insecurities, impossible situations. Whatever it is for you. God's saying, hey, I'm calling you to go into that place. But they're too big for you. But remember, I'm the Lord who goes before you. Great and mighty, I'm a consuming fire. If you trust me, I'll take care of it. And so I'm going to pray for us and just trust God. We're going, to, uh, we're going to be spending the next 21 days just really in a focused way as a church, strengthening our faith, learning to live by faith. We have these devotionals in the back of the room on the two tables that are each day there's a, a scripture passage and then a few reflection questions to help us get in the word and exercise our faith and intentionally Feed our faith with God's word. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, is how God's word builds our faith. Um, Reagan, actually, if you liked hearing from her last week, she wrote the introduction to this devotional. It's great stuff. So grab one. It'll also be online um, every day, one day at a time this week. So we encourage us to build our faith. I also want to give us a chance this morning. We don't do this very often, but if you're here today, we're going to um, sing a song of worship in a minute after this. But I want to pray for anyone this morning that would say this, would say, hey, I am in a place where I've been bewitched. I've been bewitched. I've been living under the power of natural thinking, trusting in my own efforts, and trying to make it work, and being condemned, whatever it looks like, but I've been bewitched. And today, I want to come out from that. And I want to live by faith. I want to come out from that mentality. I want to put my, trace, my trust in Christ instead of, instead of that. And so if that's you this morning, will you just stand up? And it's even like kind of crossing over the Jordan. Like saying, hey, I'm going to that place. I'm stepping in and trusting God to help me to take on those enemies and come out of this place of being under that curse and come into this new way of thinking and living. And I'm going to pray for you. Um, so go ahead. If anyone wants to do that, go ahead and stand up. And then... We'll pray. Awesome. All right, let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you became a curse for us. Thank you that you took the curse. You took the the spell, that natural, humanistic, that worldly way of thinking and living. 
You broke its back on the cross. And you brought your life through your resurrection. Will you just, if this is your prayer this morning, just repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm trusting in you today. I turn away from my own self-effort. Living by my own ability. And I trust in your ability. I trust in your grace. I trust in your power. I trust in your goodness. Father, teach me to grow in my faith. Teach me to live by faith. Bring me into a new place of faith. I thank you for this. Amen.